0: I'm Realtor Heather Womack. I grew up in Minnesota and love all the outdoor activities we have here. In fact, I love Minnesota so much that I moved back here from Europe to raise my family in the land of beautiful hikes, refreshing clear lakes, and winter fun. That's why I'm reaching out. As a Realtor, I've helped hundreds of folks buy their first home, sell the home they have, purchase a lake cabin, or start investing in Minnesota real estate. If you love adventure but need some new scenery call me. My website is heatherwomackrealty.com. That's heatherwomack, W-O-M-A-C-K, realty.com. Hello and welcome to the Reverend Hunter podcast. This is Tony Jones, the Reverend Hunter, and I am joined as always, by the donkey to my Shrek producer Brandon.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm, i you know, it's not the worst one I've heard. After I mean time, Eddie Murphy, it's pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> he, he's got he's at his shining moments. So I'll give you that. No, hey man, how you doing? <laughs> I'm doing well. You know, this is
0: our fifth. Monday uh, edition of the podcast, and if if you're new or, or it's been so long that you've forgotten what we do, we come out with a new episode the first and third Mondays of every month and then on the uh, odd occasion, which tends to happen two, three, four times a year when there's a fifth Monday, it's just Brandon and me uh, chit-chatting for a few minutes, catching up on life, talking about uh, various issues yeah, uh, so I I really look forward to this, man. I I don't know. You you, you produce so many podcasts and yeah, you're you're like the um, the wizard of Oz behind the curtain. So I like I like pulling you out from behind the curtain and putting
1: a mic in your face every once in a while. And just like the man behind the curtain, I'm just overblown guy with a with a mic in front of me and a projection on the screen. (laughs) Yeah, you're
0: pulling no, come on, you're pulling all the levers that make the smoke come out and make the voices
1: big and echoey, just like the wizard. (laughs) That's very that's you know, I actually like that and see we should have started the show with that. That yeah. Was, uh,
0: <laughs> I would have called you the tin man to my Dorothy. We'll have to save that one for okay. we'll, we'll for later. For that, I just uh, have a list, man. I just have a list of sidekicks on my computer and I just like, I, I just pull the, pull the handle and see what one pops up on the, you know, and, and that's what I use. So that's, there's no great science to it. If you got any sidekick, uh, you know, from sidekicks from pop culture that you'd like me to call you, just, text me right before we go on the air. Should be fine.
1: And you know, that actually goes to the listening audience, I guess, right? If they have anything, they can send you a message. Yeah, of course there's that too. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Well, uh, I've been um, up to a few different things. I thought listeners might want to know if they don't follow me on uh, Instagram, I want to let you guys know that sometime last year, Scott Franzen who is the owner of the Talk North Podcast Network and the guy who invited me into this family of podcasts. Um, You know, he was talking about the Reverend Hunter Brand and he said, you should think about just like recording a a quick Instagram video every Sunday of like a little sermon or something. Um, And I was like, oh, that's a crazy idea, not a chance. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I'm not a pastor like I'm not a working preacher right now I don't really want to come up with something every week but but the more I thought about it the more it kind of got under my skin because I just wanted I just felt like there was some stuff I wanted to say that lent itself to a different medium than um a, an Instagram post or or a tweet or or even this podcast because in the podcast I'm always in conversation with other people so I've started these Reverend Hunter homilies. Every Sunday I post one. Uh I posted one today and I've done I've done one every Sunday of the year and I plan to do it, you know, throughout the year of 2021. Um so they're free and they're on my Instagram account which is the Reverend Hunter and uh yeah, people, I don't know, might be if you're not going to church these days because of COVID or whatever, uh, and you, they're always less than four minutes, so it's about the shortest sermon you'd ever want to hear.
1: There's nothing wrong with a four-minute sermon,
0: <laughs> except <laughs> maybe it's four time. minutes too long, Brandon. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> <laughs> that's so cool. that's you know, that's um, that's one thing I've been doing. I've been doing a lot of writing, uh, this spring, Courtney and I. Uh, collaborated on a project that's going to come out in a magazine called the northerly and that'll be on all my social medias when that comes out but uh we did four seasons in the life of a cabin in words and images uh so that's in production right now and that'll be coming out people can pick up a piece of that or i mean a copy of that magazine if if that's something that would uh, you know interest people. I, I, I loved writing it. It was one of the hardest things I've ever written actually. Um, so anyway, that's, uh, that's coming down the pike as well. Brandon, how about you? What's, what do you got cooking for the spring?
1: Uh for the spring, just getting out of my place, like I think most people from the state of Minnesota do, uh, just randomly finding uh finding state parks or trails or anything like that. the other weekend yeah. we went to uh, just on a random drive literally from here around lake uh Mille Lacs and then back just as a oh, really drive. yeah, just just to get out just just something to do so okay, yeah, just just being outside more is a is yeah a, is a, is a yeah
0: you weren't you weren't far from our lake place, yep. Uh, where you've been before i i talked to um a neighbor today he had driven in our road to see how the road uh did through the winter He, he said there were no washouts and the beavers have not yet started clogging up the culvert there's a creek that runs under our driveway my grandpa built a dam uh we had to put a culvert under the 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 road obviously to dam it up and uh beavers are are constant nemesis we're constantly clearing their goop out of the their they want to clog up the culvert so that the wetland water rises uh it's they're they're lazy they're lazy asses they don't go build their own dam they just clog up our culvert i can't believe it
1: lazy smart there's a fine line there they're <laughs> busy as
0: a beaver and then we trap them and shoot them and get it, get them on out of there. Uh, so yeah, I'm looking forward to that too. I'm looking forward to, um, our next guest on the podcast, just to give a little tease a week from today, we'll be dropping uh, a podcast episode with Rabbi Joseph Edelheit. Uh, Rabbi Joe has been a friend of mine for a long time. And we talk about that in the conversation, um, about, how we came to know one another, which I think people will find is a pretty hilarious story. But then what's awesome, I think, is Joseph and I go through uh, the hunters of the Bible, particularly the hunters of what we Christians usually referred to as the Old Testament. Although I'd say that um, the Hebrew scripture is a more appropriate term because of course to them, it's the only Testament. So we show them respect by not referring to it as old and and uh, the, you know, the New Testament is new, but give it to them as the Hebrew scripture. But yeah, everything we talk about Nimrod and Esau and uh, hunting and why Jews don't hunt and stuff like that. I I found it a fascinating conversation.
1: I I found it extremely fascinating. I it, as as always, uh, leave it to a guest to bring a, a different point of view for me, <laughs> to, to yeah, a way of looking at things, which is really really cool. And it's only like the 80th time I've heard about Nimrod in the past year, so <laughs> I'm really starting to learn about this fella Nimrod. Are
0: you t- are you hearing about Nimrod on other podcasts other than mine, or are you just talking about on mine?
1: I've heard of, I've heard him a couple times on this, but I've actually heard him on a couple others as well. So it's, it's no kidding. Yeah, I always just thought it was a town in Minnesota. Soda with a silly name but it turns out there's an actual meaning to it
0: well it's that too it's that too yeah yeah um hey i thought you and i could spend a couple minutes today talking about um i mean look first of all a caveat i absolutely hate it when people talk about tweets it's ridiculous you know (laughs) (laughs) any of us who's like whenever i am am watching the news or reading the news in the newspaper and they're like and then this guy tweeted this and then this guy tweeted that i'm like are you kidding me this is the this is what we're going to talk about however i'm going to break my own rule brandon because i posted a tweet uh in in the wake of the two shootings that happened last week i tweeted something that i've tweeted Many times before, quite honestly, but this time it really took off and it's, you know, one of my most liked tweets ever with about 500 likes. And I'm just looking right now at the stats and according to uh, Twitter analytics, it has um, 40,500 impressions. So that's a pretty far reaching tweet for me. I'm going to read it to you and then, you know, you and I uh, can talk about it a little bit. Here's the tweet. I'm sorry that I keep having reason to tweet this, but here it is. I'm a hunter and a gun owner who favors universal background checks and common sense gun law reform. I didn't think that was super controversial or whatever, but it obviously hit a nerve. I mean, people, um, there were a couple people who questioned me, but the, by far the, the most people liked it, said me too. A lot of people quote tweeted it and said, you know, I'm, I'm in the same camp. Um, I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm interested in what you think, Brandon, because you're not a gun owner, but I've seen you carry a gun. Uh, and you know, you're, I'd say what hunting curious. Um, but I also know that you lean left on, you know, most political and social issues. So like what, what goes through your mind as a, as a non-gun owner when there's gun violence in the national news?
1: I honestly think it's, it's ridiculous to the point of unnecessary when I, I agree with you first off. Um, with with your tweet, I've I've always thought that as a person that's never really been interested in in really even shooting guns or hunting up until this past year year and a half, I always looked at it as these specific guns that are being used. There's zero need for them. You don't hunt with them. You don't do anything with them except for to shoot, and that's about it. Um, so um, for me as an outsider looking in, I don't understand why people would 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 be offended by that tweet or be offended by. Wanting to have, uh, you know, common sense gun laws, laws uh, red flag laws, uh, guns, or you know, preventing guns that are just completely unnecessary for hunting um, to even exist or be in the hands of people. I don't know. I just don't think yeah. guns that are designed after a military gun should be held by any just average Joe that's fresh out of high school that has somewhat of a clean record. I don't know.
0: Yeah, that's that. I think that's a good way to say it. You know. Y- what what you've said reminds me of another tweet I saw this week, which came from a member of Congress. And he said, um, I grew up hunting and I served in the military in Afghanistan. When I go hunting, I don't take a military rifle. And when I was in Afghanistan, I didn't have a deer rifle. I mean, his point was, look, there's... Obviously a difference. And one of the things that I've found interesting about the NRA and people I know who are in the NRA is after these after the gun violence like this, they're always like, well, where do you draw the line? Like it's a very gray area between an assault weapon and a hunting weapon. who, you know, who gets to decide. And it it usually then defaults to like, I don't trust the government to decide. The government doesn't get to decide which gun is, you know, good for hunting and which isn't. But this is what, this is why I use the word common sense in, in my statement, because I just don't, I mean, there, it, there has got to be some common sense that comes to play in it. And what the different factions and the arguments do so often is try to erase the common sense by kind of throwing up roadblocks and hurdles. I mean, it doesn't just happen in, you know, in, in gun laws. Uh, it happens in all sorts of other things. I mean, whether people are talking about, you know um, the immigration crisis at the Southern border Um, or whether they're talking about, you know, ethanol subsidies or whatever. It's like, there is some common sense to be had, but it just, it's so frustrating that so much of the way our system is set up politically that, that you can't just say, okay, let's just like make some common sense solutions to these problems that seem to be vexing our society.
1: Well, yeah, and I I would, I mean, to go back to your point of a fine line, I'm an amateur. I really know barely anything about guns. I I get that. I know from what I see on on TV, the news, from video games, whatever. But I don't think there really is that much of a fine line from what I've learned between hunting guns and these guns of, quote, I don't know, mass destruction, really. Mm -hmm. Like, even the ammo used, you wouldn't use like uh, a hollow point or whatever it is to shoot something you're going to eat. Because right. It's going to tear it apart. So like, I don't understand the point of having these things because it's, there's zero purpose other than going out to a shooting range or whatever with your friends, which I get is fun. But I mean, you know, there's airsoft guns if you want. <laughs> yeah. If you want to get off on that sort yeah. of a bit, you know. I just think there are alternatives that are better. I just don't know.
0: Nothing. Right. Right. I got a private message from a guy, another hunter on Instagram and he was like, you know, thanks brother, I totally agree with you, but beware. Like basically In the hunting community, if you say anything in support of any kind of gun control, you will be blackballed in the hunting community. Which Which, is crazy. I I mean, he, he really like he gave me this warning and I did think about, you know, like what about these conservation organizations that I'm always touting? On this podcast, backcountry hunters and anglers, pheasants forever, ducks unlimited, um, the National uh, Wild Turkey Federation. You know, go. You can go on down the list. These are all organizations that support the shooting sports, which is kind of the use, euphemism people use for hunting and you know skeet, skeet shooting, uh, sporting clays. Uh, trap shooting and the different th- those are called you know the shooting sports blowing um, up tanninite. <laughs> yeah, I mean there's that right. Uh, and and but I don't. You know, none of these conservation orgs speak out after a mass shooting and say we too are for common, common sense. Gun laws, um, they just stay quiet, and i 'm sure they would say it's that 's not our mission like my our mission is habitat for pheasants, or our mission is protecting public land for uh hunters and anglers fair enough, fair enough, but they 're also deeply embedded in the firearms industry, and they are worried quite honestly about losing support among members if they say anything about, uh, gun control, because it's such a touchy subject. And I just, I don't know, like I, I just worry that sometimes whether it's individual hunters who have big platforms or whether it's these conservation organizations that also have massive platforms and really could move the needle on some stuff, but maybe lack the courage to speak out, and I, I get that they want to stay on mission and on brand, and I get that they don't want to um, piss off some of their members or whatever. But I do think that at a certain point, like the people who own guns, need to speak out. So I mean, one of the things, Brandon, that that I think is so rarely talked about, but it needs to be t- like, let's just say, you know, let's just say all gun sales ceased. In America today, which of course would never happen. So we're dealing in pure hypotheticals. There are still over 390 million firearms privately owned in America. And there are about 320 million Americans. So there's more than one gun per uh, American. And of course, I mean, not everyone owns guns. So the people who own guns like me... I mean I own like 6 firearms, right? And most people who do own firearms own multiple firearms. So the the point is even if gun sales were to stop, even if assault assault weapon sales were to stop, there are already so many of these firearms out in our society, circulating in our society, people have them, people give them to their friends, people do private sales and don't report it to the government. I mean, one of the things is, you know, one, one of the questions is, can we regulate these private sales? And so it would become a felony to sell a gun to somebody if they didn't go through a background check or a mental health evaluation or whatever Or on the other. Could you even like give a shotgun to your grand granddaughter? without her getting a background check. I mean, I get that it's tricky, but I also think people are pretty on the other side. I just want to argue on the kind of the pro-gun side. It's like, I think a lot of people who are arguing for gun control don't realize how many guns are out there already. And like, these problems aren't going to go away if we just pass laws saying what kind of guns can be sold and what can't, because there are hundreds of millions of guns already in America.
1: Well, and that's, you know, there's, there's probably a hundred million plus more than that, that we don't know about in America that are illegal and floating around and everything else. I mean, I, I, I totally get that. And I'm, I'm on, I'm bored with you when you need, when you need certain people to, to speak out. I, I, and it's kind of a loose tie, but not really. It's also the same people that are for land conservation that will do mm-hmm. anything to conserve land, but then right. people in office that are willing to put, you know, to drill in that land and open it up for for private funding and for private ownership. So. And they won't stick up for that either. So it seems mm-hmm. more like a, a political issue in the long run. And I know that's stating the obvious than anything. Yeah, you know, a lot of these people do have true convictions, but when it comes to voting on those convictions, they look the other way because they're supposed to vote a certain way based upon a certain belief. And that's my yeah, opinion.
0: right. And they, and they, yeah, exactly. And you know, I I think there are. I mean, back to the back to common sense. I'm just all for the common sense, the practical kind of I'm kind of like the no bullshit. Let's just forget the bullshit and all the political posturing and whatever common sense. What's common sense? Well, one thing I think that hunters and conservation orgs could do that would show good faith to the broader American populace and actually make a difference is things like let's make sure people have gun safes. Let's make sure people have trigger locks. Like, do you have a gun? Do you have five guns? Are they in a gun safe? Uh, we're gonna provide, like, we're gonna provide you with gun safes. We're gonna provide you with trigger locks because we all know that, as terrible as what we saw last week, you know the the two mass shootings that we saw last week. As, as terrible as those were, in that same week, dozens of people died by by their own hand and um because they had firearms at their disposal or they took a firearm i mean there's uh it it's an epidemic among teenager teenage boys if they have access to firearms that they um make the choice of suicide and or or are struggling with mental illness, and you know maybe it's not a choice. I think some people, you know, I I want to be careful with my words because I know that for some people they 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 feel like there is no choice. They're backed into a corner. Having a firearm available to them, you know, it makes makes a terrible moment that much more terrible. And if that firearm were locked up, if it had a trigger lock, if it were inaccessible to that person in that moment of crisis. And then, of course, there's all sorts of accidental shootings as well, because, you know, young kids find firearms that their parents have unsecured. And so that would just be like, this is what I'm saying. There's already nearly 400 million firearms in America. Why would we not, as could we not, as the hunting community, at least say we are going to make sure as many of those firearms as possible are stored securely and are safeguarded away from people who could do damage with those firearms? And that would not be that hard of a thing. So, anyway, I mean, I'm not a politician. I'm just a guy with a podcast. But uh, I do... I do look for, you know, I, I hope we can find some pragmatic common sense solutions.
1: Well, yeah, and my last comment on it is just because it's an argument I hear all the time, the good guy with a gun saving yeah. the day. But how many times out of all these hundred, these thousands of incidents in the United States in the past 20, 30 years, how many times has a good guy citizen, not a cop, just a good guy right. citizen with a gun saved the day? And it's happened like... A couple, a right, handful. Right. Maybe like maybe like 10 times out of the thousands. So right. it, it's, it's such an argument I hate hearing. I'm all for what you're saying. Just gun safety, we've got them. So it's not about what we'd like to do in the future. It's the problem that we have now and how can we take care of it now? And you're right. Common yeah. sense laws, background checks, providing locks, making sure everybody's just safe. We've got the problem. Let's see what we can do to fix it now. Right, right.
0: Well, there's one other a uh, hot topic in the hunting community this week that I just want to weigh in on briefly. And that's that at meat eater, uh, which is Steven renella 's uh, hunting and fishing multimedia platform. And like the, you know, the 900 9,000 pound elephant, how big, how many pounds is an elephant? I don't know. Many, many ton elephant in the room of of the hunting community because it's so dominant TV show, website, podcast, etc. Steve's brother Matt wrote a column for the Meat Eater website in which he argued against R three, which we've talked about many times on this podcast, which is recruiting, uh, re engaging, recruiting, retaining, and re engaging hunters. And the first one is the most important. It's Hunter recruitment. And he's like, basically, I don't like R3. I mean, he's got all these different graphs on there. And, and, but, but what has really angered people is I don't like R3 because um, when I go out to hunt in the wide open places in, west, in the Western US, uh, there's other people there. And they're crowding out my hunting ground, which used to be exclusively for me. Now there's other people out there. There's a lot more to his argument than that. But that really pissed people off. You know, here he is, a very privileged white guy whose brother is a hunting rock star. I mean, one of the ironic things about Matt Rinella making this argument is... I a large part of the uptick in interest in big game hunting out west is Steve Renell's Meat Eater and the TV show. Like you're not seeing an uptick in South Dakota pheasant hunting or North Dakota duck hunting But that show so uh, romanticizes the big game hunt. And, And honestly, a lot of the hunting shows like on the Outdoor Channel or the Sportsman's Network or the Pursuit Network, there are, of course, shows like The Flush, which are about pheasant hunting, and there are duck hunting shows. But the vast majority of those shows are about shooting cervids, deer, elk, moose, things like that. Big game hunting. And the popularity of that in those media streams has led to more people uh, going out West and trying to hunt like that. I mean, I did it a a year and a half ago when I went to Colorado and, and I remember saying on the podcast, you know, after that, that every trailhead had six pickup trucks in Colorado during the elk hunt. Like there were... The, the mountains I was in were crawling with elk hunters. And when I asked people out there, oh my gosh, you know, was it always like this? And they're like, no, no, no. This is because meat eater. Like everybody wants to shoot an elk now because it's become super popular. So, I mean, that's my take. It's just interesting. I'm not going to blame meat eater because I think, you know, meat eaters done a great job for recruiting people into hunting and I'm, I'm not going to piss on Matt Ranella for having an opinion that's different than mine, but there has been a lot of pushback in the hunting community from like hunters of color, for instance, and and, you know, people who are trying to diversify the ranks of hunters with women and people of color and people who aren't traditionally the hunters of the last 50 years, which have been like middle-aged white guys like me. um, They're really mad about that column. so. Uh, you know, I'm I just thought I'd talk about it for a minute. I'm paying attention to it. Uh, and I think probably Matt Ranella stepped in it, you know, and maybe it'll provoke a bigger conversation. Maybe Meat Eater will get more involved in R3 efforts. Uh, but you know, I've talked about it a lot on this podcast with everybody from Mark Norquist to Meadow Cowfeld and, and others who have been very heavily involved in the R3 movement. And so obviously I'm on the side of R3 and in recruiting new hunters and Brandon, that includes you, buddy.
1: Well, absolutely. I, uh, I'm a fan of R3 as well. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, I think it's a great idea, especially when, when you just look at the numbers, like I've heard, uh, several times on several shows. Yeah, it, it makes sense. i yeah, I, I get the guy's got a point. I don't understand his point or agree with his point. <laughs> right. but I, I get the guy has a point. And like you said, maybe some good came of it. Sometimes you got to stir up the hornet's nest and see what happens. So
0: No, that's very true. And I'm, I'm, I'm not averse to stirring up the hornet's nest when, when it's necessary, like tweeting uh, you know, in favor of some kind of common sense gun reform. So I think we should do that. Well, Brandon, you're the man. And uh, you might not be quite as funny as Eddie Murphy, as Donkey, but close. Well, I mean,
1: I'll take anything. Eddie Murphy is hilarious. Uh-huh. Eddie Murphy is <laughs> hilarious. Uh, well, and, like, yeah. Donkeys, I mean, they're hardworking, right? It's not like the worst thing to be called, so I'm cold. No,
0: I'm not going to. It's not like I called you an ass. I mean. hey <laughs> Not outright. Bible, <laughs> some Bible humor there. <laughs> Well, friends, we thank you for listening. We hope you enjoy these Fifth Monday uh, episodes when they roll around. Be sure to tune in next week for my conversation with Rabbi Joseph Edelheit. I think you'll really enjoy it. I got some really fun guests lined up uh, for the spring, including, um, well, I'm hoping to get uh, the the founder and leader of the band Cloud Cult, which is a lovely band I love, Um I know the guy who's going to be the chaplain on the Appalachian trail this summer, and he's going to do a before and after, um, he does his six month job on the, on the AT. So yeah, we're going to have some fun guests this spring. Um, everybody stay safe out there. We almost made it through this COVID. It's almost over and, uh, get your vaccine, wear your mask. We love you. Make sure you subscribe, rate and review. And until next week, have a good one.